if she couldn't force herself to go back to practicing law. But until sociopaths developed consciences, Kathy was happy to do her part in championing the victims and dissecting the crimes for all to see. At last, the judge called a recess until tomorrow. As the jury was led out of the room, Kathy locked onto the defendant's face. Sarah Chesney's emotionless facade melted away and she smiled at her attorney and gave him a wink. Perfect. Kathy hoped no one else had seen that. Max, the reporter next to her, was focused on his notes. The TV camera had already cut off. The other reporters on the second row seemed to be watching the jurors' faces. Maybe Kathy was the only one who'd caught it. If not, she could at least be the first to report it. She'd write about it this afternoon. What could it mean? That Sarah felt the defense had pulled off their latest subliminal suggestions to the jury? That she and her attorney had a thing going? Or was it just that the defendant was relieved to be out from under the judging eyes of those jurors and that camera? Sarah was handcuffed and let out, her pastel button-down shirt more wrinkled than it had been this morning, Kathy wondered if the woman had ever worn a button-down in her life before now. The pictures of her before her niece's death showed that she preferred outfits that exposed skin and were at least a size too small. The schoolmarm image wasn't fooling anyone. When the judge left the room, Max mowed through the spectators to get to the restroom. Kathy stepped out quietly, checking over her notes. She made a quick pit stop by the ladies' room, listening to the conversations among the spectators. They all seemed to have the same impression of today's testimony that she had, that the defendant's husband was lying, that the best friend was telling the truth. Kathy's instincts were rarely wrong. She stepped out on the front steps of the courthouse. Media lined the sidewalk out front, some of them already broadcasting about the last few hours in the trial. She trotted past the television bands and hurried to the parking garage. Her Miata sat in a parking space on the top level, baking in the hot sun. She slipped in and pushed the button to put the top down. As it retreated over her head, she saw an envelope stuck under her windshield wiper. What now? She opened the door and reached to grab it. The flap was tucked inside the envelope, and her name, Cat Kramer, was typed on the center of it. No return address. She turned on her engine and sat idling as she pulled the typed note out. Dear Curious Cat, I've grieved that Leonard Miller's bullet only hit your fiancé. Too bad you weren't with him that day. You deserve what he got. But look at you, turning your tragedy into dollar signs. Guilt or innocence is not something to be judged by a two-bit blogger with a drama-loving readership. Maybe it's time you saw firsthand how speculation ruins lives. Judgment has nothing to do with truth. See how it feels. Enjoy the ride, if you survive it. Your new friend. Kathy dropped the note. Was this a threat of some kind? 
or just an angry reader trying to mess with her. The mention of Leonard Miller, who'd murdered her fiancé and walked away scot-free, dredged up the rippling anger that had plagued her in those first months after his death. She swept her hair out of her eyes and looked around. There were a few others walking to their cars, a couple of cars pulling out of parking spaces, no one looking her way. Anyone could have left it any time today. Her silver sports car wasn't hard to spot, and all her readers knew she'd been attending this trial every day. It occurred to her that she should call the police. But she had to get home and write her blog before the rest of the press beat her to the punch. Before pulling out of her space, she typed a text to her closest circle. Her three siblings and Michael Hogan, one of her closest friends, and the brother of her murdered fiancé. Just found a note stuck on my window.